Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast brought to you by UVA Finance, UVA's trusted financial partner. Finance Matters is a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer, and today my co-host Patty Marbury and I have gone on the road. Yeah, here we are at O'Neill. Yeah, we're in O'Neill Hall, not in CoLab 3. <laughs> and um, we are here with our guest today, who is Mary Brackett, the Senior Associate with Organiz- Organizational Excellence. And Mary, what does that in layman's terms mean that you do? Yeah, thank you, Brandy. First, let me thank you and Patty for inviting me to join you today. Um, we're going to be talking about a subject that I'm very passionate about, and I'm looking forward to seeing where the conversation goes. So my role as a senior associate in organizational excellence means that I'm really involved in all four components of our program. We have a project portfolio which looks to coordinate projects across the entire institution. We have individual project initiatives that I've worked on in the past, for example, You First and the Strategic uh, Finance Transformation. We have quality communities where we offer development for folks, and so we do a quality core network. We've got some communities of practice and change and project management. And then finally, we do quite a bit of consulting services with schools and units to help them set their vision, do strategic planning, do process improvement. And so in my role as senior associate, I'm involved in all four of those aspects of the program. So all four of those aspects of a program that I heard you say project and continuous improvement, and you actually said the buzzword of the day, change, once. Um, All those things do involve lots of organizational change. And here at UVA, if you asked anyone who works here, they would say, UVA has lots and lots of change all the time. (laughs) And um, we know that change is not something that we just start and get through but that it is an ongoing process. And you certainly kind of alluded to that because organizational excellence is a a part of the university here to help us do that better, help us to change and move forward in a better, more effective way. So we invited Mary to come and talk with us about this because um, more and more as we talk with our guests and talk with folks out in the uh, academic community, we're hearing that folks are get a little weary with change. And you may have heard the term change fatigue to describe this phenomenon. What is change fatigue, Patty? What, what it makes me think of is that people grow tired of change. You know, like you, um, you either give up on it um, because you're feeling like maybe there's too much of it, or in some cases, maybe it's not happening fast enough for you or in the way that you want it to happen and so you become frustrated and give up. That's what I think of when I think of change fatigue. I think that's or too much is happening and too many different changes coming about at the same time or in progression and you just get tired and frustrated. Fried, burnout. Right. Yep. Weary. Yeah, so I think human beings have some pretty incredible potential when it comes to handling change, Mm -hmm. and it is not an unlimited potential. And Mm -hmm. so I think to your point, Patty, um, people who have experienced lots and lots of rapid change Mm -hmm. over a very short period of time can be subject to that um, dynamic of change fatigue. Um, The other thing I, I think is interesting around this topic is the notion of change saturation. Uh And so if there are really good, compelling reasons for the changes that are afoot, 
Um, maybe the sequencing of them needs to be tweaked a little bit. Maybe uh, the, the timing of things need to be tweaked a little mm -hmm. bit so that people don't feel that they're, I mean, the, the analogy I like to think of is somebody standing on the shore of the ocean mm -hmm. and wave after wave after wave comes and just as soon as they pick themselves up, another wave comes along and knocks them back down again. So yeah. that, I kind of think about change fatigue or change That's saturation like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And plus, you don't know what people are dealing with outside of what you know them to be experiencing. Right. Um, you can probably deal with a lot of changes in your work life if everything's going smoothly at home. Mm -hmm. But it rarely is. That's right. <laughs> There's so many other things going on in our lives besides just what happens in the workplace. Right. And what we're talking about today is um, primarily change in the workplace, but I think a lot of what we'll be discussing can be applied for your personal life too because we're both we're talking both about how to be a leader, whether you're the leader or not, in a change uh, process more effectively so people don't get burnout mm -hmm. and also just how you experience change personally and maybe how even if there are things that you can't control in how those waves are coming that you can more effectively deal with that buffeting <laughs> so what since we've defined the, the term that we're talking about um, and we've talked a little bit about how it has an effect on us as individuals what are the other implications for change fatigue? If we're, I mean, if we get tired from time to time, so what? What is, what is, how does it play out in the organization? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So when I think about, again, a series of changes, um, I think a lot about how the outcomes of whatever project we might be talking about or series of projects, um, you might not be able to meet your, your project objectives if people are fatigued, and it could show up in lots of different ways, right? It could show up as cynicism, it could show up as active resistance, it could show up really as passive resistance. Ultimately, mm -hmm. you want, in any kind of large transformational project, you want people to adopt to the new way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And if they're suffering from that fatigue, not only, I think, does it damper their ability to um, be them best, their best selves at work, but it also, uh, maybe your business outcomes or your project outcomes are at risk because of the, the layers of change fatigue or change saturation that people are experiencing. Yeah, and thinking about how specifically how that might work out, like if people are already knee deep in other kinds of change and are worn out, they may not pay as much attention to steps in the process mm -hmm. and deciding how things should be or if you know the new way of that's being proposed of doing a certain process will actually work they're not crossing all their t's and dotting their i's because they're just worn out um what are, what were you talking about if you could tell us a little bit more about it with the cynicism response well, I mean, I think, you know, anytime we talk about a change, it involves people doing things in a new way. And oftentimes in those conversations, you know cynicism is afoot when you hear people saying things like, well, we've tried that before and it didn't work. Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe for people who've been here a long time ago, they'll say, well, we tried that 20 years ago and it doesn't <laughs> work. And, and yeah. you're thinking, well, things are pretty different now. Yeah. Might we try something new? Um, but kind of that, that cynicism can show up in that way. Uh, the other, I think, flavor that cynicism takes on sometimes is whenever there's a change announced or people are talking about the design of a new way, 
Um, sometimes you'll hear cynicism as a statement to the effect of, well, we're so different that we couldn't possibly, you know, adopt the new way because mm -hmm. we're very unique. And so... You never hear that here. Yeah. <laughs> what? You, what? <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's another clue that um, people might be suffering either from active resistance or that change, change fatigue as well. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a couple truisms about change that if you'll... If you'll uh, Permit me to share for a minute. I was thinking in preparation for this conversation, one is that um, people don't resist change. They resist loss. Ooh. And so if we as either formal or informal change leaders can think about um, what people might perceive as losing throughout the process, mm -hmm. then that can help us bring to bear empathy and really think about um, how we need to communicate with folks as they're navigating this, this change journey. So think about what somebody's gonna lose. And sometimes it can be, well, I'm gonna move your office. It can be something as, what seems to be a simple thing on the face of it, to I'm gonna completely redefine your job, or I'm gonna have you work for a completely new supervisor. I mean, so really understanding upfront what those what those changes might be and how they might be perceived as a loss. Right, so just just from like our perspective might be the change is an opportunity. Their perspective, like you say, may be the change is a loss. Exactly. And so look at it um, and, and you as the person who's imposing the change on somebody may not even be aware of That's right. what they're going to, what they feel like they may lose. That's right. That's really interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. I really like that. Yeah. That, thinking of it that way. It, it, yeah, it gives people who are responsible for affecting the change a way to understand lots of different perspectives in response to whatever the change is. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that kind of is the flip side of that coin is, I, I think a truism is people support what they create. And so we talked a little bit um, about how change can be done um, to people, it can be done for people, or it can be done with people. And to the extent that we try to figure out the and get to a with place on that can really help people um, support the change. So yeah. if they have a hand in design, yeah. they can they are much more willing to support the change. Yeah, we don't we we might enjoy th having things done for us, but then again, that means that somebody else is deciding what's good for us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. Um, definitely, having things done to you doesn't sound very good mm -mm. but having a say in the change and being able to help guide that process and have a stake in it yeah definitely makes I think the process better for mm -hmm. yeah. both everyone involved also allow everyone in the organization to be part of the change mm -hmm. yeah. well at least hear people hear what people right. have to say mm -hmm. uh, and that and that goes back to really understand what people's concerns are mm -hmm. uh, about the change that's impending um, and understand what they might be fearing, really. Mm -hmm. what, what's that fear factor going on? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, just the process of change can be exhausting, but we can do a lot of exhaust. We can and do do a lot of exhausting things when we feel like it's worth doing and there's a benefit. I think about um, metaphors like when you renovate your house or when you do things for your children or... Any, th any commitment that you can make personally for your own good that it's going to take 
some kind of change process. If you decide you're going to become a more physically fit person or mm-hmm. a healthier person, if you're going to undertake getting a degree, there are many arduous tasks that we can undertake and be successful at at the same time as many other arduous tasks if we believe in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we've been talking about already kind of gets to the fact that we need to have a say in it and also we need to feel like we're part of the process in a respected kind of way. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about the long-term employees who say, well, we tried that 20 years ago, that that is some resistance to change, but also they really might be feeling like, are you telling me that the way that I did it was wrong for 20 years? And that so you're kind of devaluing my 20 years of work. And yeah. it's, sometimes it feels easy to say, we have a new great idea that's going to make everything better. But you have to be pretty intentional about recognizing people both go, looking backward and going forward. Yeah, and I think we have to be careful about how we talk about the new mm-hmm. and the different. Um, because you can make people feel like the thing that they worked so hard on. Right. Was At one new. time, it was the new different thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is somehow not not right. good anymore. Right. And so, and and that may be very true. It may not be what we need anymore. But to frame it in a way that you talk about it and not disparaging right terms to make people feel it's well. If we're going to use the renovating your house model. At one time, those nifty little intercom systems that everybody thought were so <laughs> right. cool. I've bought a couple of houses now that, yeah, that have had those filled in <laughs> right. on the wall. At one time, that was the newest, coolest thing that you could have. But now, when you yeah. get one, we've changed the way that we handle inter-house communications. I text my husband from upstairs and say, bring the baby some milk when you come up. Right, right. <laughs> we don't intercom anymore. And even though it was the best thing for that time, it's not the best thing now. That's, I, I love the analogy of redecorating your house. So you're, you're talking about change that you're doing for yourself, for your own right. enjoyment or your own... And that it adds value. Joy, really. Yeah. It adds value. And you would never walk into your mama's house and say, we're going to redecorate your house, mama, because all, all the stuff that you have is yes. old-fashioned and you need to get rid of it. If that's the house that she's raised her family in for the last 50 years, so that is kind of the analogy to people who've done mm-hmm. something the same way. For a very long time they're very attached to it they have a lot of ownership about it mm-hmm. so patty i think to your point about um you know change coming in and people again feeling that loss and feeling yeah. that fear is really well taken and so I, I wonder too sometimes when we have big change initiatives announced i, I think we have a tendency to say here's the change that's going to happen in the context of what the solution is mm-hmm. without spending a, are investing enough time to really gather the community and say, here's the problem we're trying to solve. We don't know what the solution is. Mm-hmm. Give us your thoughts on what the opportunities are for right. that. And so that's more in the design phase before we ever get around to saying, okay, now we have to get people to adopt to the new way. And again, I think if folks feel heard in developing what the potential solution might be, um, you you would see that bear out in having less change fatigue, mm-hmm. less stress, less cynicism, less resistance in the in the system. So to use a UVA specific example, I think about some of the topics that we've covered in finance strategic transformation, and we've had a, a lot of meetings, and I haven't even been part of many of those, but I hear back from people saying things like. 
you know, we, I don't know if we're close to a solution, but I know we had all the right people in the room to mm-hmm. talk about all the thorny parts of mm-hmm. the problem mm-hmm. and to point out all of the ways that this gets all tangled up and how it causes problems downstream. And I feel like at least we really know what the problem is now. Right. And that to me is a successful way to start because you're not ignoring the people who have a role in the problem and you're not kind of nipping your own chance of success in the bud by not fully understanding the problem. Exactly. Exactly. You've surfaced maybe all of those, um, you know, this is a complex place. And so you've surfaced a lot of those issues or um, trepidations or, um, potential obstacles by having those conversations up front because that does get exhausting right when you get told by someone else here's what we're going to do to fix the problem and you're sitting there thinking but you don't really understand the problem and I can think of ways that that plays out in your personal life too maybe your partner at home is like well here's the new way that we're going to blah 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 and you're sitting there thinking you try that then Uh (laughs) I'd like you to see you do that (laughs) so these are all um it's good stuff to think about no matter in what context um but I think the important thing that we're trying to get um home too is that like our remodeling um analogy it's a continuous process Mm -hmm. it's not like we're going to get to a point where okay, we've got everything down so we can take a couple years off. Right. Um, we, we talk a lot about change and we talk about continuous improvement. And those might may sound like buzzwords, but the idea that you can always do little things or big things or medium-sized things to make things better, mm-hmm. that more having a mindset that way and it not being just that you're thinking of those great big change initiatives – I think shifting our own mindsets in that way can sometimes help us to get on board with those bigger change initiatives and also to just be more in that vein of change as a constant, um, that it, it's the new normal. It's not going to, we're not going to have a time where we're like, okay, everything's done. Everybody just coast now. Yeah, we'll never rest on our laurels. And I think the reason behind that, it's threefold, right? So the world is smaller. Yep. Technology is faster. And, you know, if you'll forgive me by calling UVA a business, our business is getting more and more competitive because mm-hmm. of technology. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we, we will never be able to sit back and go, oh, we're done. We can, you know, we can just stop uh, paying attention to all these external forces. Even though it feels a little bit more insulated sometimes, I think, yeah. where yeah. we are, but it's not really. Right. It's getting less and less. So. Right. And so I think we go back to the concept of, um, you know, how do we prioritize those changes? And one way to do that is to just really think about how, how disruptive the change is. And so I might have 15 moderately or, or small disruptive changes uh, on the horizon and one great big one. I think where we run into trouble is the huge one, huge ones one after another after another. And so that's when, that's when we start thinking about, okay, how does an individual respond to that change? 
And if we're suffering from change fatigue, I mean, fatigue's just another word for tired. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you take care of yourself anytime you notice that you're tired? You rest. It's the same, right, you rest. (laughs) You, you, You hit the pause button, you go for a walk, you call a friend and go to coffee like we did last week. Yeah. You uh, might do a little shopping, you might do some meditation or yoga. Uh, it's really crucial that you sort of fill up your reservoir to be able to navigate those changes, whether they're large or small. And you know, like as you, you're talking about that, I'm thinking back to a, a few previous conversations we've had, Patty, like the collaboration fatigue mm-hmm. pod was really interesting and actually one of our most listened to ones. We were talking about how there are some people that just get tapped for everything and in organizational change initiatives you see that happening too and yes definitely there are some people that are going to get tapped a lot because they need to have some visibility or say in the process Mm -hmm. because of their role but there are lots of people who don't get tapped who'd be interested in playing a part and lots of people who don't need to be as involved as they are so just thinking about maybe changing yeah new energy and um, not overtaxing certain people and groups. I also think we have to be careful about not uh, about not taking on change just for the sake of change. I mean, it's it often feels like that's... Let's have that, the newest thing. That, that <laughs> we have to do that, mm-hmm. that we have to constantly be doing a new project or doing a new, implementing a new system. Mm-hmm. Or, or And that change doesn't always have to be, quote unquote, like the biggest, sexiest thing. Mm-hmm. Like there are some really big changes that we've, been looking at here at UVA, like the implementation of Workday, that are definitely big systemic changes, mm-hmm. taking us from something a little clunkier to something that's mm-hmm. pretty fancy. <laughs> but when we talk about changing the way we do things, it doesn't have to be necessarily the big, some big systemic change. Yeah. It could be just we do we have to have these three different steps in the process mm-hmm. could we do this better or more smoothly yeah. and that's where that yes. sort of continuous improvement yeah. mindset right. comes in and how disruptive is that change going to be yeah. right. I, I think it's also really important to think about when we're trying to initiate change as change leaders kind of what's the cost benefit of that change mm-hmm. you know back to patty's point do we really need to bring in a whole new big thing and you know, spend millions of dollars and take multiple years and get really, really focused on the purpose of the change and what problem we're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think by doing that, uh, people will, uh, you know, th- there'll be some integrity in the process, and and you'll get a lot more sort of um, uh, buy-in for a change if people are not overtaxed and they have a clear. Uh, understanding of what the purpose of the change is mm-hmm. and how it's going to benefit everyone. You know, when you talk about that clarity, that makes me think of a couple different things, actually. You know, it it really helps to have clear goals, to know exactly where you're headed, why you're headed there. Yep. It helps along the way to continue to have that clarity of communication of where we are in the process, what we're doing now, to have visibility and transparency and all that good stuff. But as people go through a multi-year huge change process or you're going through any kind of change you're going through, I think there's a time where you're excited in the beginning. Yes, this is going to solve a problem. I can, I want to get to that other side where I don't have to do these extra steps and where it's not so hard to achieve the results I need to. 
But it, when you're in the trenches, it is easy to get change fatigue there. Exactly. And so I'd like us maybe to just spend a little time there and think like on both sides of the coin, both you know, as a person who's going through change and as people who are leading change, what do you do when you're in that point? Yeah, well, I think it's really important for a change initiative to identify um, early wins and, and make sure that people are uh, involved in those early wins. And so very seldom do you have a change initiative where after millions of dollars and many, many years, you flip a switch and all of a sudden, ta-da, it's the new world, right? There's always opportunities along the way to let people experience what that future state will feel like. And so to the extent that we can build in those opportunities along the way, that helps with change fatigue. Gives you a little boost. It does. And it gives you some hope, frankly. And then the other thing, I think, is reminding people what that vision looks like and and really what's in it for them. I mean, that's so crucial when you're dealing with people on an individual basis. Um, Yes, this might be a little tough going now. Yes, it's going to take a lot of work for us to get here. But let's remind ourselves of what that vision is and why we're doing this and how it's going to benefit everyone in the long run in service to the greater good. Mm-hmm. You know, a thing I thought, too, is just taking some time to recognize, you know, yes, the early wins, but also just all the effort, like, to recognize people for their contributions and their ideas and for it, look how we've come so far. Absolutely. Yeah, just to have that constant cycle of, Hooray, yeah. look at what we've done. I mean, because organizations don't change. People do, yeah. right? And so you have to attend to and nurture and foster the people side of the mm-hmm. change. So what about for, let's take this, like, focused in a little bit more. And we talked a little bit at the beginning of our conversation about this could be within the workplace or within our personal lives. And I'm thinking about my personal <laughs> life. And it, there are many things right now changing and many things in flux. And I think just as a society, we start thinking toward the holiday season at the beginning of the year about the changes we'd like to make, things that we want to do. Um, I think it might be helpful to talk about just a little more deeply about how you get that change energy and how you stay focused or how you mitigate some of that fatigue that sets in. Yeah, well, you talked about collaboration overload and there's change overload as well. I mean, I think I think part of it really gets down to, on an individual basis, understanding what your priorities are and being pretty, um, pretty rigorous about what you choose to spend your time on. Um, I'll, I'll call my mom from time to time and say, oh, I don't have enough time to do this, that, and the other. And, of course, her favorite quote to me is, well, you have the same number of hours in a day as Mother Teresa did. <laughs> The new iteration of that that I've heard on social media is um, you have the same number of hours that Beyonce has. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not exactly. Okay, Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. I have a personal stylist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the point, though, is that, that, she's, that she makes so well is that, um, you know, you, we have to prioritize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there's a lot of power in, in saying, no, I, I wish I could help you, but that's not a priority of mine right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot of power in saying, not yet. So maybe, maybe you asked me to help you with something and I just can't fit it in my schedule this week. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the long run, I think preserving our, our self-care and our self-balance will serve everyone Absolutely. in the long run. It serves our families better because we're not grumpy when we get home. It serves our colleagues better. 
um, because we can get our work done in an efficient and effective way. And so it, it just helps to really get clear on priorities. And, and you're more finish. successful too because yes. somewhere you've got personal priorities, you have work goals and checkpoints that you're supposed to be meeting. And if you're spending all your time doing things that don't serve any of those, you're either going to get a bad review and not do as well in your job or career as you'd like, or personally feel guilty or like a failure for the thing goals you yes. miss in your own life. Yes. So don't set yourself up for failure. Exactly. Yeah. What when you say don't set yourself up for failure too, I think about when you're thinking specifically about personal your personal life and changes to make is remember to keep changes and goals reasonable. Yeah. So things that are be careful about trying to change too much at the same time, especially when you have control over that. Mm-hmm. Um so I was just talking to another colleague recently about that, and we were talking about um, a person who's taking on a new job, and the the fact that the new job involves a new employer, a do, new and different stretch job, mm-hmm. and a and a move. Yeah. And so all of those things that happen at the same time are really it's stressful. It's very and stressful. And so when you have control over those things, um, best to to do things a little bit more incrementally when you're able to do that when you're able to do that and if you're not because I think about when I moved here to Virginia with a seven month old and Mm -hmm. a kindergarten or a preschooler at that point so new job new state new baby and I had no choice over any of that and I look back on it and think "Ooh, (laughs) how did I even do that but there were some choices that I made you know just very basic things that helped get through that time and we touched on self-care a little bit, but it does make a difference for your entire well-being, just making small choices that allow you to feel more centered and restful. Mm-hmm. You may not be able to change the fact that things are constantly changing at work and that you also have different personal upheavals that are going on, mm-hmm. but you can you can control a little bit better for how you you feel physically and emotionally uh, about those things. Mm-hmm. You can take care of yourself a That's little right. better. And, yeah. and I think I think one tool in our toolkit is asking for help. I mean, just if you know if we're facing a situation like that, ask somebody for some help, and it can really make a difference between mm-hmm. successfully navigating and floundering. And and maybe not. I'm going to venture a, a guess and say maybe don't assume that you are the only person that feels that way. Great. Yeah. Because you might be writing yourself off as well I'm just not getting it and Mm -hmm. I'm not able to handle this and you assume that everyone else is and that's not always the case and it's very encouraging not it doesn't often drag me down to hear that someone else has some challenges with it it makes me feel better yeah it usually does yeah makes you feel like you're unless unless you're in that resistance phase where you're like yes this stinks I'm glad you think so too Misery loves company. (laughs) So I think we've had a pretty full conversation about change fatigue. And um, I definitely will link some of those previous episodes about collaboration fatigue and Mm -hmm. some of their change management uh, topics that we have discussed on the pod. But for today's conversation, is there anything else that you feel like is worth mentioning that we should say before we close? Well, I mean, just, you know, just like being any other kind of tired, if you notice you're fatigued about something, then rest is really, is really a good strategy mm-hmm. to combat that. Um, just pay attention to how you're feeling about things. Mm-hmm. 
All right. This makes me want to like go home and take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Mary, for joining us today. And thanks, Patty, as always, for Mm -hmm. being here, driving me over to (laughs) O'Neill. As it is always, uh, you can read more about what finance is up to on the UVA Finance blog at uvafinance.blogspot.com. If you're within UVA, you can always check us out on the Jive community platform. If you've got an idea for a podcast or you know somebody who's doing good work out there on at UVA, do let us know. You can email me or Patty or you can tweet us at UVA underscore finance. That's all for now. Until next time, do good work because what you're doing matters.